0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Pennington, and this is the Human Flourishing Podcast. This podcast is a repository of a wide variety of sermons, lectures, interviews, and other resources that I've recorded over the years. Today's episode is a sermon I preached at Sojourn East in Louisville, Kentucky. listening to the Hoping in God's Future sermon series at Sojourn East. Whether in times of peace or calamity, security or uncertainty, God invites his people to look to him with hope because he is both sovereign and good. Hello, friends. I miss you. I miss this pulpit. I miss being with you on Sunday mornings, but this too will pass. Let me pray as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that you provide for us, that you are kind to us, even in the midst of trials. And I thank you uh, for your word and your truth that continues to teach us and shape our hearts. And I pray that you would draw near us today and meet with us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, friends, the Bible makes a lot of amazing claims. Holy Scripture is not, it's not a vague collection of uh, religious sayings, but instead it's a clear, rich, and beautiful vision for life itself. And as a result, the Bible often says things that arrest us, make us stop in our tracks and think about reality and think about our lives in different ways. For example, have you considered the Bible's amazing claim that if you are a Christian If you by faith have become united to Jesus, that your existence, your identity, your life itself is actually now split between two realms, between two places, between two realities, earth and heaven. Listen how the book of Colossians says it. Paul writes, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form and in Christ, You have been brought to fullness, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now, Paul keeps talking about this, and he says in the next chapter in Colossians 3, he says it again, Since then, you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In other words, friends, God is saying that if you are a Christian then you are united, you're embedded into, you are unified with Jesus who died on earth and now reigns in heaven. That's actually your reality. And did you hear the application that Paul makes to us from this heaven and earth reality? He says that we need to set our hearts and set our minds on the things above, on the heavenly realities Because our true life is actually now hidden with Christ in God in those heavenly realities and will one day be revealed on the earth from there. And friends, that is our sure hope. And so that's what we want to do. Understanding heavenly realities and the hope we have in God is always important and always transformative, but how much more? Now, during this unprecedented time of anxiety and uncertainty in our country and our world, so Pastor Kevin and I have decided that we're going to spend the next six weeks talking with you about the biblical vision of the future. I don't mean trying to figure out the details of the end times, for which notice that the track record of humans figuring out the end times so far is a 0% success rate, but instead, Pastor Kevin and I want to explore with you the sure hope that we have in God's future for the world. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of what God says about the future, the resurrection, what heaven is, the new creation, how you pray in hope. But today, I just want to set all this up by talking with you generally about the biblical idea of hope. What is Hope. Well, to give a mental image, I want us to think about hope as a ladder that is leading us up to a new place, a new level of understanding and relationship with God. So I'm going to give you four statements about hope, like four rungs on a ladder to help you set your mind on heavenly things. So four rungs of hope. Here's the first one. Hope is faith in the unseen. Hope is faith in the unseen. It's important to understand that in Scripture, the word hope is actually basically synonymous with our word faith. Faith and hope are two peas in a pod. They are twin sisters. In English, these two words are more distinct, especially when we use the word hope in its in its weaker sense of just kind of desire but uncertain. Like we say, I hope the weather clears up this weekend. But in scripture, that's not what hope means. The biblical sense of hope is not just wishful thinking, but confidence in the future. In the Bible, to hope means to confidently look forward to a future reality. So what that means is that hope and faith are much more closely connected than they are in our English language. Hope and faith are both a confident trust in God. Both hope and faith are rooted, you see, not just in our circumstances, but in God's trustworthiness. And therefore, they're certain it's more than just wishful thinking. If there is a distinction that we might still maintain between faith and hope in the Bible, we might say that that faith is confidence in the present and hope is confidence in the future. But really, they blend together very much in Scripture. Think of how Hebrews 11 describes it. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So often we think about our Christian faith by looking backwards at what Jesus did by dying on the cross. And that's good, and that's great, and that's necessary. But I'd like to suggest to you that Christianity is just as much or more a looking forward. It's a forward-looking faith, looking forward to what God is going to do in the future to be with us and to bless us. As one New Testament scholar describes it, he says, to be a Christian, to be a person of faith, we might suggest this precisely to live as a person for whom God's future shapes the present. I like that a lot. A person of faith is one who lives as in the present with God's future shaping them. So biblical hope is a saving faith that looks forward to God's future. And that's the first point, And that's what we want. And that leads to our second statement about hope, our second rung. Secondly, hope determines your future. I'm sure you've many times heard the saying, uh, attitude determines altitude. And if you're a parent, you've probably heard yourself saying that more times than you'd like to admit, maybe especially now that we're all stuck home together, attitude determines altitude. And there's a good dose of proverbial wisdom there. Human nature is such that we become like that which we shoot for. We do grow according to the size of our fishbowl dreams. If we have high goals and high standards and high models, we'll tend to grow in great ways. Conversely, when we have no vision and no goals, we generally do not progress much. This is human nature as God has made us. This is really the same thing as saying that our hope determines our future. You see, We all, all of us have some kind of worldview. We have some kind of mindset, some kind of values and beliefs, conscious or not. And these actually motivate and fuel and guide everything we do. We all do what we do because consciously or not, we believe that what we are doing now will result in future happiness. So if you work hard in school or a job, or if you don't, That's actually based in a belief that you have about the future, either that hard work will make things better for you, or some would believe that hard work doesn't matter. Either way, the future is determined by this, the present now is determined by this future vision or hope that you have. Or take being faithful to your spouse versus having an affair. If you can only see as far as the immediate pleasure in being unfaithful, then it will be easy to think that the affair is good. But if you have a vision for the future, either the pain, destruction, regret, guilt, and cost of that choice, or the beauty, satisfaction, goodness of life, being faithful through thick and thin, either way, What you're motivated to do now is based on the kind of vision you have for the future. So what you hope in and how you hope determines your future. Or to approach hope's power from another angle. This is why scripture says over and over again that it's so difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not, scripture is very clear that riches are inherently evil. It's that riches and wealth have a tendency to cloud our hope in God. When we have much in the earthly world, there's not much motivation to hope in the heavenly world to come. That's why Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, and notice this, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them, Paul says, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. You see, friends, wealth and money are dangerous precisely because they alter our hope. They tempt us to live with the present world as our hope rather than God's future as our goal. So hope determines our future. Third rung. Hope is the opposite of depression. Some of you may be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or if we were just to ask it more generally, what do humans need to live? If we were to take a few minutes together, I think we could easily come up with a list of what humans need, and I think we could agree upon most of the things on this list. Food, water, clothing, shelter, oxygen, good internet connection, just the basics, Right? And maybe we could come up with some others, safety, love, God, we might say. But if we weren't already talking about hope right now, I wonder how many of us would have put on that list of human needs. How many of us would have come up on our own with the idea of hope? But I think it needs to be very, very high on our list of what humans need to live. Have you considered how important hope is to your life? It's absolutely essential. Have you ever spent much time speaking with someone who's very depressed? Maybe you have been very depressed yourself. Maybe someone in your family or a friend. Maybe you're struggling with depression right now. Be very understandable. Maybe it's chronic. Maybe it's a kind of depression that comes and go in shorter time frames. That's been my experience more, but I know many and love many people who have it more chronically. Have you ever noticed that at the core of depression... There is something that is, I think, a universal trait of people who are suffering in this way. And I suggest to you that it's hopelessness. It's a lack of hope. People who are suffering from depression suffer precisely because they have no hope. They cannot see any future that is any good. There is no reason to even get out of bed often when you are in this place. The circumstances can be so overwhelming and so unfixable, whether it's in your marriage, or your job, or your parenting, whatever it is, that the human soul just collapses in on itself. Now, sometimes the cause of this depression is chemical and physiological. Sometimes it's circumstantial. Sometimes it's a function of past wounds and shame and pain. Usually it's a combination of all of these in the complex human soul. But whatever the complex causes are, when there's no hope in the human soul, the effects are disastrous. And we know that not only does hopelessness cause grief and misery emotionally, but it also causes a neglect of good activities that would help. And that medical research shows that depression not only affects us emotionally, but it also affects us physically Depressed or hopeless people get sick more and more often and more deeply and depressed or hopeless people have all sorts of problems beyond what originally caused them distress. Why? Why is that? It's because God has made us as creatures in time who are creatures of eternity, who are living in time and so we need, we long for this sense of the future, this need for hope. And when we lack hope, when there is nothing in the future that can be seen as great and beautiful enough to draw us up out of despair and apathy, then the result is depression. Now, my point, friends, is in no way to shame or add to the burdens of, any, of anyone who is or has experienced depression, nor is my point to act like the solution is simple. Oh, you're depressed? Well, you just need some hope and all your worries will melt away. Not at all. My point is that depression is part of the brokenness of this world and that it reflects the deep, deep human need as God's creatures for hope, precisely what God wants to give us. And that leads me to the fourth and final rung of hope, and that is this. Hope in God will never disappoint. Have you ever been looking forward to a, special day or time or maybe a purchase and then been terribly disappointed. Maybe you planned a vacation for months and then you missed your flight. It rained the whole time. Your room didn't look like it was going to in the hotel brochure or more in the situation we're right now all the weddings and celebrations that have been canceled, the retirement portfolios that have, that have dried up, the, the jobs that you were promised that didn't come into being, all these things that disappoint. I remember Many years ago, when I was 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere in there, my family took this long-awaited vacation to Alaska. And right from the start, we were set up for disaster. We got to the airport, we found our flight had been canceled. This was 40 years ago, so you didn't have a way to know this beforehand. The result was that we made it too late to Seattle. We missed the departure of the cruise ship, so we had to fly farther north and meet the ship. Meanwhile, when we got on the ship, then we had lost our room, so we had to sleep in the lounge. You can imagine my stepfather, who was not the most patient person anyways, was not happy. Well, you and I could fill in the blanks with much worse scenarios than this right now. Again, trips postponed, hoped for jobs lost, weddings delayed, retirement plans destroyed. Life at any time is full of frustrations and disappointments. How much more now? As the proverb says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's nothing quite like the heartache of disappointed hope. And some people are so affected by it that their hearts actually stop hoping. They refuse to hope in anything for fear of disappointment. But friends, here's the good news. While all earthly hopes will eventually fail, hope in God will never disappoint. We could make a list of all the things in the world that people hope in and every one of them except for God will eventually disappoint. Riches, cars, boats, houses, fame, fortune, peace, love, friendship, children, spouses, marriages, affairs, vacations, new jobs, accomplishments, stock portfolios, whatever and I think we're seeing this now more than ever, things that we thought were, were so sure in our lives, even those can disappoint us. There is disappointment lurking just below the surface in every single thing in the world and in our lives except God. And there are so many Psalms and so many places in Scripture that speak of the blessings upon those who hope or wait in God. Let me just put one before you. Psalm 34 says, The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. In fact, a horse, so this great mighty creature of war, is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, instead, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament speaks the same way. Listen to this line from Romans 5. We exult, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And this hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. In other words, the love of God poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit sent from the Father and the Son guarantees us, friends, that all of our Godward hopes will never be disappointed. The world is offering all kinds of hopes, alternative hopes, but they will always disappoint, but hope in God will not. So here we are, friends. In a place and a season that none of us have, could have foreseen, none of us want. But this season is actually a gift to us. It's a painful gift, it's a gift that we'd like to send back. But it is a gift from our loving Father who is inviting us to redirect our hearts from earth to heaven, to redirect our hopes, not on earthly wealth and health and all the things we think we can control, but to actually hope in God's promised future for us. And if you feel hopeless today, and all you can say is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, that mustard seed of faith is more than enough. The heavenly father looks to you and says, cast your anxieties upon me, for I care for you. So we look forward in the coming weeks to unpack more fully these gifts that God has sent us as we hope in his future. Let me pray. I'm Kevin Jamison, lead pastor at Sojourn East. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support the ministry of Sojourn East, visit sojournchurch.com east. Thank you for listening to the Human Flourishing Podcast. To learn more or get in touch with me, visit my website, jonathanpennington.com.